This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Behind the Line podcast, where we discuss all things related to the Super Retriever series. Hey, everybody, I'm your host, David Hamilton, and our guest today is Scott Greer, a guy who, if you've paid attention to the Super Retriever series over the years, you may know him from back in the day and may also know him as a current competitor. Uh, now, before we get started with Scott here, we want to take a quick moment to say a quick thank you to our sponsor, Yukonuba, the Super Retriever Series Crown Championship, and this episode of the Behind the Line podcast series are brought to you by Yukonuba, the leader in premium nutrition for sporting and working dogs. As I said a moment ago, my guest today is a gentleman named Scott Greer, who if you're a handler or, or a fan of this sport... Uh, you're probably very familiar with him. Uh, he's been competing in the SRS and, and the Great Outdoor Games back in the day, then kind of took a break from our specific game to pursue some, some other events. And then, and then in recent years, he's, he's come back to the Super Retriever Series. And uh, Scott, we're excited to have you on the podcast here today. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. Let's take it all the way back. Uh, when did you first get involved with, with training dogs? And, and how did that start? And, and where did that interest come from? Uh, that's I bought my first dog in 98. Um, I, my interest in duck hunting, obviously, is the reason for buying the first dog and and just uh, got into training it and running the hunt test and, and just, you know, trying to learn how to train my own dog and got to be a member of West Tennessee HRC and got to know uh, J. Paul Jackson kind of helped me in the in the beginning some you know we, we were both kind of learning but he was ahead of me by a few years but it was mainly all in the beginning was mainly all just just for a duck hunting dog actually. So when did it go from just being hey I want to train a dog to help me with my duck hunting to maybe this is something that I might want to pursue as a career or at least an interest at that point? Yeah, yeah. Um, with the people that I was around, they they were all they were all in the hunt test stuff, and so I you know I 
was training our dog and went and run a, actually run my first started test, the HRC started test, probably um, 99, something like that, in Langill River, which is in Jonesboro, Arkansas. It's, I don't think Langill River is even a club anymore. And went over there and ran a little dog named Paxton, which was my first first dog that I just bought out of a newspaper and I just really didn't know any better. And uh, runner and started and passed. And grown man puking behind the truck with nerves and <laughs> and all that. And uh, and so, you know, we just went from there. I ended up getting another little dog named Liza that, that everybody's going to know more about because that's the dog that I end up competing with. And uh, bought her like six months later, same thing, started season, uh, finished, you know, and was running the grand by probably 2002 with her. Just getting the info, Mike Lardy's total retriever training was the program that I went with and kind of taught myself how to train and uh, just kind of just fell in love with the hunt test world and and that kind of thing, and uh, I never will forget, I was actually mowing the yard, and my wife came out and had the cell phone in her hand and said, this guy wants to talk to you, and then actually, actually was Justin Tackett, who was the original guy back then that was running the show, so to speak, and uh, he... Uh, still a good friend of mine and and he he uh he said i heard you had a nice dog and i said well um she is to me that, that's about all i know <laughs> and he invited me to the first ever televised event uh on espn and it was held behind max prairie wings and i want to say that was 2002 maybe something like that. And lo and behold, we ended up, I, I went over there for zero with zero expectations, just more or less humbled. I was even asked, uh, because you got to remember, I'm just I'm brand new. You know, I'm a, I'm a sure enough rookie. I had no, no clue what I was doing. And, uh, but that little dog was special and she ended up missing winning that thing by one point, which is in, in in that game's world that's a half a whistle i think uh larry mcmurray and dana juvenile and all them were judging over in arkansas and uh they were all from arkansas we were in arkansas mark miles won it with a dog named woody and he was from arkansas and i always accused them they give me two points for everything that started so I always accused them of home cooking. <laughs> yeah, sounds like it. <laughs> if the events in Arkansas, the judges are there and the winner's there and you lose yes. by one point, I think that's a fair gripe on your part. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, but anyway, long story short, that uh, qualified me for the ESPN Great Outdoor Games in Lake Placid, New York. And so we we went and done that. But, you know, her, her career and, and, you know, I started – you know, I love training her, and I love I love running, and I love competing with her, and I ended up training a lot of her puppies just not to make money, but just to kind of, because I wasn't a rich guy. I was, you know, I was just 
you know, fresh out of college and working, you know, and uh, I just use that money just to fund, just to pay for her to go, you know, and uh, so I enjoyed it and I just kind of ended up having a knack for it, you know, went that way and and I've got to, I got to give a shout out to, uh, because I was working in the factory and and doing this part time and and uh, a really good friend of mine today is Sure Shot Retrievers, Mr. Jimmy McMahon, wanted to know if I wanted to go full time. And he actually was the guy that was able to give me that jump start straight out of that factory into being able to do this for a living without having to suffer uh, any. You know, he filled my kennel full and and we rock we rock and roll and and uh such a blessing to have jimmy and you know in my life back then he's still a good friend of mine and and uh that was i want to you know i always thank him for that because that made it made it real easy for me yeah made you more willing to take that jump if you knew that there was there was going to be you know a, a full-time opportunity there. right right absolutely he made it very easy sure did well- want to ask you a little bit so a couple questions as follow-ups to to those answers there so first of all so justin tackett reaches out and asks you if you're interested in going to this event do you mm-hmm. do you recall how he found out about you i mean at that point you're just a guy with one dog you know kind of competing in some hunt tests here and there how, how did tackett find out about you and think that you might be a good person to come maybe try to qualify for the great outdoor games well you got to remember uh, the hunt test world is kind of a you know it's not a very big group and especially back then and, uh, but I had, you know, I had run, you know, all over and, uh, everybody knew the little dog and, and had gotten to know me other than that. I really don't know. Uh, but, uh, I think she was a pretty special dog and people knew it and, and uh, you know, and it might've just been that Larry and some of those guys over there just knew and they, and, I, and obviously they were pretty tight with Tackett and, so some some way or another, my name just come up, you know, in in that deal. Yeah, and like you said, when you have a dog that special, word travels fast. It's funny. Before I do these podcasts, you know, I ask different people uh, in the game about the person, just to try to get a little additional background information. And and Shannon Nardi from SRS actually uh, gave me this. I'm gonna read you directly. This is a text message she sent me. She said. Uh, ask him about his dog, Liza, for sure. She was awesome, and man, did Scott love that dog. She was the first Sport Dog Team of the Year winner. Let's just chat a little bit about your relationship with Liza and how great of a dog she was. Oh, man, she was, she was, you know, everybody has that once-in-a-lifetime dog, you know, just lucky, you know, when you reach in that puppy pile and pick. I think the only reason why I picked her was at the time was just because she was the lightest one in the, in the bunch, you know, as most people know, she was almost white. And, uh, you know, I think it was a, a a lot of that, all that had was kind of a God thing too. I think I was kind of, this is something I was kind of meant to be doing. And so, uh, you know, that's, I, I think that's how I ended up with her, but, uh, yeah, special didn't matter what you were doing. You know, just one of those dogs that, that loved to work. She loved, she wasn't the most talented dog in the bunch, but she wanted to please you. And that was her goal was to do whatever you wanted her to do. Like I said, she wasn't the most talented dog out there, 
But if I needed that little small bump cast out there at 200 yards, just she'd do whatever. And so that's where she excelled was 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 in that way and uh but hunting dog awesome hunting dog awesome pet awesome just is you know nothing you can say bad about her other than she didn't live long enough yeah absolutely question for you when you have a dog that's that willing to please or that talented how much does it help you as a handler and i know some people don't get a dog like that till you know 15, 20 years into their career where that once in a lifetime dog comes around, but, but she was fairly early in your, in your days as a, as a trainer and a handler. So how did she help you grow in your role? Oh, she, she carried me, you know what I'm saying? Uh, she let me, you know, I was able to make those mistakes and, and she was smart enough and willing, you know, and able to overcome my, my, my problems or my, my, me being a rookie and uh and still able to to excel you know uh because obviously if i'd had a little more little more expertise about what i was doing there was no telling what we could have done so i was you know i was kind of feeling my way through this deal and and uh it's just kudos to her that she was able to to do accomplish the things she accomplished with me as a handler (laughs) it's pretty amazing really yeah absolutely there's definitely the situations in life where you're like i'm the strength here or man i'm the weak link and it sounds like you knew in that situation out of the two of you you were the you were the weak one at that point in your career let's talk about that you know you go to the great outdoor games that first year and you're kind of bright-eyed and bushy-tailed um, mm-hmm. And maybe it sounds like a little of butterflies in the stomach there um, at first couple times. And you're out there competing with some guys like, you know, the Jerry Days, the J. Paul Jacksons, the Chris Akins, the Lyle Steinmans, you know, these guys over the first few years in there that, you know, maybe had more experience than you. But 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 you came along on your own and were no longer a rookie and became a, a force to be reckoned with competing for, for several years at the highest level. So mm-hmm. how did you make that transition to go from a guy that was maybe kind of the up and comer to, Hey, this is a guy other people need to pay attention to. Yeah. Oh, it, with me, it's always just been hard work and determination. You know, I just, um, I might, I, I might, I'm probably not the, brightest trainer in the world I, I but i i'm gonna i'm gonna outwork you if i can so it's it's always with me it's just been just work harder at it and so and then the more you compete the more you learn and the more you you know you you, you put forth the time and effort to get better and and uh and so you know just over the over the years of being around those guys and and just and just learning it's just like any other profession you know the the more you do it and the more time you put in it the the uh the better you become at it you know and uh but it's it's definitely you know a lot of work and uh and a lot of persistence that goes into getting better but uh <clears throat> but you know it was I, you know, when when I showed up at Lake Placid, it was like, well, you know, man, I have really stepped out here and on a limb, you know, and uh, and I can just remember, you know, Liza was a two year old, and uh, 
I, w I went out there to do a little training because it's a pretty good drive out there. And, uh, and I ended up training with Larry McMurray and Jerry Day. And Jerry Day's running a old hound named Super Sue. And I'm like, you know, and we were training. And my dog, my little two-year-old was doing everything. She, she's hunt troop champions. And she's doing everything they're doing. And I'm sitting there going, what's so special? I mean, what is super about Super Sue? You know, and I'm thinking, you know, it's just, you know, well, she showed me because when when it, when it got game time, oh boy, you talking about a dog that could go get them now? It was like it was absolutely amazing. They put me in my place in a hurry, but you know, it was it was you know we didn't even get out of the first the first series, I don't believe, or the first cut. But you know, I was just tickled to be there. To be honest with you, that uh, time in my career with just being you know. Two years into it, being on TV and being on ESPN and the and the and all that publicity that that gave me, I, I mean, I you can't put a dollar figure on that. It it really just jump started my career leaps and bounds ahead of what it would have been had I not had that. It was really a blessing, and I, a lot of times I would just if I made the top twelve, I was just glad to. I felt like I'd won if I made a TV show. You know, <laughs> just not, that was my goal, just to get on TV. And uh, but uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it just uh, it's just hard work, lot just lots of determination. Yep, sounds like that that helping hand from Jimmy McMahon, plus the exposure on television, plus your own hard work ethic, really propelled you together yeah, and just, kind yeah, of made the winning formula right, yeah. there. Mm -hmm. yep. And then for several years in a row, man, you qualified for the championship. I don't even know how many years in a row. So at what point did it go from just trying to be there to, all right, I'm going to try to win this thing? Yeah. Um, well, it was all, I was always trying to win. You know, when I, when I, don't get me wrong, it was always about winning. But, but, uh, but I was just, I was always, you know, kind of a realist and knew that, you know, just to be thankful you, you know, for something. And, uh, so I was right, always, right. So, sorry, let me rephrase that question. At what point did you, did you think you could win? Right. Like, like you always want to expect to win, but like what point well, did always, you think like, Hey, I got a shot at this. No, I always thought I could. I always thought I could. I mean, even, even, you know, cause you know, when I showed up with Liza that first time I was one, you know, one point from winning. So I, it wasn't, it, I never, ever felt like I couldn't win. And so, uh, you know, I was always there to win, but I was always thankful also you know for you know just for being there and and especially on the front end because i was so so young in the game so anything i could i could accomplish i was happy with but i always felt like i could win but in addition to eliza you had a couple other dogs that you had a lot of success with over the years uh addy and luke can you tell us a little bit about those dogs yeah. and their personalities and you know maybe how they were similar or different to to liza among the three dogs yeah yeah, all, um, all thing, all all females except Luke. Um, they the Addie and and it was it's actually Abby. Uh, Addie was owned by one of my best friends, Tom Mathis, and then uh, Abby was owned by uh, Clark Barton of Mississippi. But uh, anyway, that just kind of the kind of the same thing. Uh, not necessarily the most talented dog in the field, but but team players, just like Liza. They they would just do what you told them to do. You know what I'm saying? 
and and so you know they uh especially Addie Addie was she was you know it's kind of the same thing she when she finally when she qualified for the crown she was just a two-year-old and so uh you know and so when we got to the crown it was always a struggle to 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 compete because of our youth so to speak and uh and it's funny funny you 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 mentioned abby see abby abby wasn't even she won the union city event which was lyle steinman's first ever srs event that he ever attended was that union city event and it was a huge event and uh, i was at final flight with kelly powers the goose calling champion his store there and we run we went we ran up there and uh Abby wasn't even supposed to be there. Liza come in heat. <clears throat> and so I just asked Clark, could I run Abby in her place? And he said, sure. And so uh, we, so I just took her just, just on a whim and, and end up winning. <laughs> so yeah, it was, uh, that was kind of strange. And, and uh uh, so that, that she, but she was super, super nice dog. Luke, I always said Luke could think like a human. He was very, very intelligent. He knew where all the birds were. You know, we talk about, he had talent where some of them wasn't as talented. <clears throat> he was very smart. And, uh, he, he, you could just see him out there. He was a great big yellow dog, and he could just see his wheels turning and thinking and looking. And he goes, "That that bird's right here," you know. And uh, I actually have a little cool story that he won the Miami Oklahoma event at Dirt Randall's, and uh, and you would think that would be the coolest story, but actually, the the best story about Luke was when we ran. Uh, Stacy West event in North Carolina, and it was the one and only uh, event that Danny Farmer and everybody knows Danny Farmer. It's the one and only SRS event that he ever ran, and uh, and so I think Tackett twisted his arm and got him got him to come run, and uh, he was the one. That was the one and only time that uh, he'd ever competed in the srs and so you know and that was all pretty cool because we wanted to beat him you know because he's a famous danny farmer right and uh, we <laughs> we wanted to show him a little bit about our game you know and he showed us but luke we were on dog stands i think chris Aiken was a bubble gunner with boomer i mean it was a timber hole like none other it was so full of stuff you couldn't imagine and we shot like six it was all teal they threw threw them all in them woods and and then had a blind retrieve, and Luke, Luke picked up all six clean, and then he three-whistled the blind. And so I was thinking, you know, and then Aiken looked at me, he said, nobody's going to touch that. So I'm walking back to the truck thinking, you know, I got this. And uh, well, Stacy West and Rankin still had to run, and Danny Farmer and Jack. Well, long story short, Stacy Weston Reagan picked all six up and he two whistled the blind. And Danny Farmer came up and picked up with Jack, picked all six up and lined the blind. 
And so I went from, you know, hey, you won this thing, ain't nobody touched this to third. <laughs> so you don't ever count your chickens before they hatch. Absolutely. <laughs> hey, that ain't just a that isn't just a a good piece of advice in the dog game. That's a good piece of advice in life, right? Right, right, right. So I'm yeah, you know, I'm sitting here looking at uh in my office and just looking, you know, at pictures that are on the wall it was also a little dog named candy that i ran that that did real well and uh a golden retriever named sage that that we did well with and so you know it was just a lot it was a lot of fun back then we had a great time chris aiken and Derek randall and keith allison and and all those guys back in the day i mean we just absolutely had a ball it it was it was so much fun. We were competing against each other, and we all knew that. But but we were we were just the best of friends, and and we would we would all jump in together and travel together, even though we were competing, you know. And and back in that day, it was it's, it's you know the SRS is way different than it was then. Back then, it was just it was we just had fun with it. And we, we, you know, I can't, I just can't tell you how much fun we had. It was unreal. That's great to hear, man. Yeah, we're sitting here chatting with Scott Greer. And uh, real quick, we'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Yukonuba. Sporting dogs give us everything we ask for and then some. Their nutrition should do the same for them. You can find out more information about Yukonuba at yukonubasportingdog.com. Also follow them on Facebook and Instagram. Username, Yukonuba Sporting Dog. Scott, interesting enough, you were mentioning about back in the day, you had a ton of fun in the Super Retriever Series. Then you took a few years off where you weren't competing as often in the Super Retriever Series, still doing a lot of stuff with with dog games, but just focused your efforts elsewhere. Um, what what inspired you to come back to Super Retriever Series, and, and how has the game changed over the years? Because the last couple of years, you've kind of been back in it, and I imagine it's a little bit different than it was in some of those earlier days. Yeah, it's, it's, ton, it's a ton different. Um. Obviously, all the faces are different, except for maybe Lyle and Lyle Stein and Bobby Wills, and but it, it, it's the the setups are different. You know, the white coat when they come in and did that. That's actually one of the reasons why. You know, I I just couldn't compete in that white coat part. I just my my program wasn't designed to be able to compete in it, and we just took a little leave of absence and went and, and uh, we, we started running the national and that took a lot, the master national, and that took a lot more time. And so we just focused on other things, but that white coat was changed the SRS tremendously because in the, in the beginning, we didn't have any of that. And so, you know, I had to learn that game, learn that part of it. And uh, we, you know, the dogs are better, the training's better, the equipment's better. Um, everything has just evolved uh, over the years, and uh, everything's just, you know, just better. I don't want to really say it's – we were competitive, but it seems a little more competitive, you know. The, there's not people riding together. <laughs> going to not as much camaraderie like as they used to be, you it know, sounds like. Yeah. It's, yeah it's, they, they, I mean, they're all good friends and all that, but I'm not sure they're as tight as, they, as we were, you know. But it, it's used to – you could take a dog like Liza, and if you handled on a mark, uh, if you just needed a dog that would handle, you know what I'm saying? That yep. that that could that could handle it. They could you could handle your way through there and be all right. But nowadays, you know, everybody says, "Well, 
you know, the SRS, you know, you, you know, that they encourage handling too much or, or whatever. But I'm just telling you, if you handle a mark in the SRS, you're probably not going. It, it's, it's, uh, it, the, the dogs are just that good. It's just unbelievable. And what, what caused me to come back was actually just my client. I got a tr- tremendous group now that, that are clients of mine that have, that have pushed me to, get back in that game because they're competitive and they want to play it and they you know and they, and and what's good about it is they got dogs that can that can compete and so that's made it easy to come back uh dogs that can c- compete at that level are not really they're 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 kind of hard to come by and so i was lucky that these these folks had what had the dogs that we needed to compete i told them when we started it was a little over a year ago. It was last summer when we ran our first one. I had run a couple just just picking along, just just because uh, it being Pinto. I always went over to Pinto. I never did do really well, but it was really just kind of help those guys and and promote their cause over there. But but we didn't we didn't we hit it last summer. We we would come back with intentions of being ready to play. And but I told those guys, I said, you know, we're a year or two from from being able to to win one of these and so you know it was a little i was right it was a little over a year and and we was able to win one this year but uh just clients pushing me to do it i'm glad they did uh we you know it's it's been a lot of fun and it's been it's been fun for me to you know a challenge for me to just kind of prove to myself that i could come back and do it you know what i'm saying yeah, I was about to say, I mean, we all know the old sayings, can't teach an old dog new tricks, but sometimes you can't teach a, a trainer new tricks either. So how's a guy <laughs> like yourself who's always done uh, the hunt test? How'd you prepare yourself for the field trials? Because yeah. you even said a few moments ago that the, you know, the white coat stuff wasn't really your area of expertise years ago. Yeah. So how'd you get better at that so that you knew you could compete in, in all five series? Well, it, it's it's just being in the game and learning. You know, it's been 10 years since I run the SRS and so you know over the years I've just learned you know I, and I, I and then I you know I learned how to do it but I just I just wasn't doing it so when I decided to go back and do it I knew what it I knew how to do it and what I needed to do and back in the day when the, when the white coat first hit the SRS I I, I wasn't knowledgeable enough to, to be able to pull it off and I'm not so sure I had the dogs either there's, uh, you know, there's one thing that I have, I've always prided myself in is, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of these guys and, and I'm not knocking, knocking it. I mean, if they got the money to go buy the best dog on the planet, by all means, go buy it. I don't blame them one bit, but just far as me personally, I pride myself in, in these dogs that I'm playing with and, and, and have won with for the most part are dogs that I built myself. I didn't buy it. I didn't do, I didn't, you know, I built them from the ground up. So, you know, when you talk about Liza and Addie and Candy and Luke and pretty much Abby too, I got Abby a little later in life, but she, she wasn't even a master hunter. So I had to teach her, you know, all those dogs I built. them, And so it, it, there's a lot of pride goes into that. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. So a question for you. Like, what's it like as a, and, and, and I get sometimes guys have to pick and choose which one they, they do. Maybe they don't go to all three. And I don't know, I don't know your plans this year, but 
How hard is it in the fall every year if someone, you know, qualifies for the crown and you got back to back to back, you got the grand, you got the crown, you got master national and you're on the road, I mean, several weeks in a row there. So how, how much of a, of a, challenge is that for someone that that maybe tries to pull it all off oh that's a grind uh we're getting ready to do it we're getting ready for the grind we're matter of fact we're right here you know i think i got one more day tomorrow to kind of get some things done that i need to do and then we're roll then we roll out you know next week and so um i actually gonna be gone for a month you know we roll into st louis we pre-train for three days start that event that's that's a five-day event and then we we leave straight from there to go to idaho we'll have a week there to kind of catch our breath and get 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 uh, get the road knocked off the dogs and and get our feet back under us and then we you know then we got another week-long event there take us three or four days to get home and then i think i might have one week to get ready for the crown and so in the meantime we got master tests that need to be be ran for dogs that are not going to the crown and you know and uh trying to qualify for next year's national and it's it's uh it's gonna be an interesting month for sure it sounds like it what are you expecting <laughs> this year at the crown i mean like you said it was kind of 10 years when you didn't run and then you run a year to get your feet back under you and now you've qualified for crown championship first one that you've been at in a while so what are you expecting yeah. out of that experience um i i'm going in there trying to win uh, I, I'm, I'm always a humble guy and a realist and, and, you know, and that's, that's, that's saying, you know, me saying that I'm going there to win is, you know, in the back of my mind goes, I kind of like, yeah, well, <laughs> you, you better bring it boy. <laughs> but, but, uh, I've got three really nice dogs and I'm going to, I'm going to get, you know, we're going to go in there and do the very, very best we can and try to, and try to, you know, try to come out there and maybe win one. Uh, what would a win mean to you? Like you said, you got dogs qualified. Maybe one of them has a, a stellar weekend. You have a, yeah. a great weekend with that dog, and the next thing you know, you're looking up and you're the crown champion. What would yeah, that mean to you? yeah, yeah. Which you know, it would mean it would mean a ton because as all the years that I've run uh, the Super Retriever Series, I never ever did well in the crown championship. When I'd always get them there. You know, I'd get to the I'd get to the great outdoor games, but I never ever did well there. And so, uh, not really sure why, but it just the stars never lined up for me like that. And so, you know, to be able to come back and finally say, "Hey, hi!" After all these years, I finally did win one. It, it, it would it, it would mean a ton. It really would. It would might it might be icing on the cake. <laughs> hey man well that's that's the perfect way for us to almost end this thing uh i will just say i, I wish you luck and I'll, I'll be there with you uh cheering for you uh i can't pick favorites obviously as the as the tv host guy and the and the podcast guy but uh, i'll be right there in, in shreveport bozier with you so uh i'll be i'll be cheering you on man before we let you go we always kind of end this uh podcast with uh five final questions it's rapid fire i ask a question quick just kind of first answer that comes to your mind Okay. Question number one, what's something about you that most people don't know? Ooh, you want it rapid. Mm. Or just anything. Uh, I mean, we had one guy tell us he's allergic to dogs. That's the best one ever. Hey, there you go. I am allergic to dogs. You are? <laughs> yeah. Wait, wait, wait. You're the second guest we've had on the show as a dog trainer, and you're allergic. So what do you do? Just take a lot of, like, Claritin or something? Uh, you know, I just don't I – don't, 
I don't, well, I do that, but I, I don't, you know, most dog trainers have a dog that lives in the house with them. Right. And I, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not able to do that, but, but, uh, but open air, you know, I do. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. My wife has a cat sleeps on her pillow and then she wakes right. up every morning with like itchy eyes. And I'm like, yeah, maybe if the cat right. wasn't on the pillow, your eyes wouldn't itch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, when I say retriever, who's the first dog comes to mind and why? It could be a dog you trained or one that somebody else trained. Uh, probably Liza. That's how special she was. If you had to describe yourself in one word, what would it be? Humble. Love it. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Uh, pilot. Oh, nice. Awesome. Final question for you. You have a weekend to yourself. No dog games to compete in. Nothing nothing to do work-wise. No honey-do list like cut the grass. How are you spending that time? If it's honey season, I'll be hunting. Yeah, it seems to be a pretty uniform answer there. A lot of guys say hunting, and if it's not hunting season, even though I say in the question, and I, and I preface it by saying, and no training to do, they're like, I'd still be out training. Yeah. <laughs> I, think that, I think that speaks volumes for how much yeah. all of you handlers love the training aspect and then during hunting season you know going hunting so it's uh it's yeah. uh great to chat with you today scott we really appreciate your time man all right buddy thank you so much all right have a good one thanks a lot